Uh, this morning, church, I'm going to preach about faith. We're preaching about, we're, we're in a series preaching about faith, talking about faith. And uh, the series is called The Faith-Filled Life. And I have to believe with all my heart that everybody understands what faith is. Um, but I'm going to just touch on a little bit about what faith is, just so that we can have maybe a unified approach or a unified sense of cohesion about faith. And I mean, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we actually can't, we can't even have a relationship with God without faith. By faith, you know, we are saved through grace. By grace, we are saved through faith. <laughs> you, can, you can do that both, both ways around. And the reality is that the walk that we have as Christians has to be a walk of faith. Do you know why it has to be a walk of faith? Because there's stuff that happens along the way that really, really tries to derail us. And this morning I'm going to focus on some of those things that try to derail us. But for us to stay true north, to us to stay true to the convictions and the call of God that's on our lives, we actually have to understand, we have to work with faith, we have to you call on faith, we have to live in faith, we have to walk by faith, we have to step out in faith. And my message today is about stepping out in faith. And I want to ask a, a, a poignant question this morning. And, and I ask myself this question because sometimes I find myself erring on looking at things from the past as being like my greatest aspects of my testimony. But the question is this, how, when was the last time, or when you talk about miraculous stuff or just things, the things of God. You know, like if you were to sit down with your father-in-law, like um, Moses sat down with his father-in-law and it tell him about all of the great things that God has been doing, would those things be the things that have been happening yesterday or this last week or 20 years ago? Because... Along my journey, some amazing things have happened, you know, years ago. But you've, your, your testimony is one of the things that causes you to survive in the end days. Do you know that? You shall overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And you know that one of the things the devil wants to rob you of the most is your testimony. Your, the outworkings of God in your life, he wants you to become a comfortable, laid back, just I found a place, a niche in my life where Christianity finally or the walk with God or my life is finally retired in a coastal city near the, oh sorry, <laughs> the devil wants you, the devil wants to derail you from being on the edge, he wants you to be scared of being on the edge, he wants you to shrink back from being out there and, and being, you know, we, talk, we call it, it's like extreme. It, I'm, I'm not into extreme things with God, but, you know, on the edge of like something happening and I'm in, I'm in place, I'm postured in a place where something powerful can happen. Amen. Oh, I'm going to have to access this today. So just give me a moment. Amen. In Jesus' name. Why? <laughs> okay, now, so the main outcome. Today, I want to say that what we act on 
what you do strengthens you. Or we act on what we strengthen. Just, it's like when we exercise, we strengthen the muscles that we're, we're exercising. It may hurt, and if it doesn't hurt, you know, they say no pain, no gain. It's true with muscles. You actually have to do a little bit of muscle damage to get muscle build, muscle strength. And that's just the way it is. And so we build, and it's the same with faith. When we exercise faith, then two things happen. We, we get a little bit of, you know, like, oh, um, shock factor. And it can, then, it, then it can repair and build up. But sometimes that whole shock factor, it's like when you exercise and the next day, it's like, oh, I'm so sore. You can say, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> or you can say, I need to do that more often. So it won't become... And that's the same with faith. We can say, whoa, wow, that was a close call. I'm not doing that one again. And, and there's, throughout the Bible, there's amazing stories of people who did stuff. And some people shrunk back after they did. It's like, whoa, I'm not doing that again. And some of these people may, may even surprise us. But I just want to read a, a scripture. Can we go to uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6? And I'm reading from the new NLT version. It says, be strong. Now, this is, this is the angel talking to Joshua. So it's, in, in effect, God speaking to Joshua. And he's saying, be strong and courageous. For you are the one. You are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. So study the law of, the law of Moses. And meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. I, just on a side note, this is not a key point of my message, but notice how in all of this there's a, there's, a, there's a heavy encouragement to obey and to do what the Word of God is, is telling us to do. And if you actually look through Deuteronomy and look at the, the promises and the curses, the promises are promises based on obedience. And how many people love that word obedience? We love it so much we take it out of vows in it when we get married. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, th I actually think that word has become a dirty word in our, in our culture. So is the word submission. And, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not going anywhere with this to do with relational stuff, but I just believe there is a holy and righteous context of obedience and submission that we need to embrace and we need to just um, believe in and honour. Because it's, it's the lack of that in culture that we live in that... Why people are so messed up, you know? I mean, it's, the Bible says without a vision, people perish. And we think, oh, we've just got to have a vision. No, no, no. You need to see the consequences of what you're doing. <laughs> That's the vision. Does that make sense? If you don't have a vision of where you're going or what this is going to do, then you'll perish because you can't see the, the folly of your ways. You don't need a vision just to have a vision. You need, a, you need insight into what. And wisdom comes with this is going to achieve this. So therefore, I ain't going to do that, you know? If, if people could see the damage they, they do with some of the you know, choices they make, if they could actually live the, through the damage before they make the choice, they'd never make the choice. <laughs> All right, so here we have Joshua being encouraged. And God wants us 
to act in faith. He wants us to fulfill the promise he has given us. You know, every one of us, every person here this morning who's called by God has a promise, has a purpose. You are born and you are in this place and you are in this life for such a time as this. You, weren't, you, you haven't missed your era. You shouldn't have been born back in another time when, oh, I wish I was born in that. No, 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 no. You were born for this moment, for this time. And you have a a reason for being here, you have a purpose for being here, and you have a, a calling. Now, that calling doesn't mean you need to go to Bible college and you need to become a pastor because some, so often we think we use words like calling. It's like, well, that's not me. Yes, it is you. Everyone in this church has a call of God on, on your lives. Everyone in this church is a leader in some context. If you're a mum, you're a leader. If you're a dad, you're a leader. If you're a husband, you're a leader. You have spiritual authority and you have spiritual, um, you have an onus to carry the welfare of your family in the spiritual realm and fight for them so that you can help bring God's blessing and protection into their life. Anyway, so God wants you to succeed and fulfill the promises just like uh, Joshua. He had promises. The promises in the land, promises in, you know, where they were going. They were going into the promised land. You know you've got promised land. You've got territory. You have territory. Every one of you, you guys know, you've got territory. You dig the soil. <laughs> They've got literal territory. But how many people know that having territory is a lot of work? Just getting, getting territory is a lot of work. Do you know how hard it is for churches to get their own buildings? In this day and age, it's so, so hard. And uh, one day we will have our own building. We will, for sure. And we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll be able to stick a shovel in the ground and turn over a sort of soil and say, this soil belongs to us. But you've got to do that in your own life. You have to be able to turn over the sort of spiritual soil in your life and say, this territory belongs to me. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. Amen. So, a very short message this morning. I have six points. Here we go. Number one, be strong and very courageous. Be strong and courageous. Why? I'll tell you why. I'm glad you asked. Because strength and courage are the first casualties when we step out in faith. The very first. Now, think about a couple of things. Peter, he's, he's, <laughs> he stepped out of the boat. What happened when, when he stepped out? For a second, he was, he was doing all right. And then suddenly, he looked down. Why did he look down? We'll never know, and I can only postulate, but it's no. But the reality is he started to sink, right? And then, then he, you know, who, can you imagine? Fear. He couldn't swim, by the way. How do I know? I don't know. I'm just joking. <laughs> it makes it sound good. But for us, you know, if we start to step out and we, then we, and we think we're doing all right and then we start to sink, how many people here would maybe feel like, oh, that wasn't the will of God? Because how many Christians base the will of God on simple doors opening and doors closing? Oh, the door opened. That must be the will of God. The door closed. Oh, or it got hard. That mustn't be the will of God. Oh, 
something happened and went wrong. That mustn't be the will of God. Peter started to sink. But Jesus called him out. Do you remember that? Was it the will of God? Of course it was. Jesus called him. We, can't, we, we cannot deny that in, in any way, shape or form. But why did it happen? It doesn't matter why it happened. It was an opportunity for Peter to focus, refocus and, and you know, look at Jesus and, and continue. I want to talk about Elisha, Elijah. Elijah, he had a showdown with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. You know, you know the barbecue where he, they poured, he poured, well, they, they tried to shout out to their God, the gods of Baal, and tried to call down fire and they couldn't do it. And then Elijah sort of, he sort of, you know, stacked the cards a little bit and against him. Okay, pour water and make a trench and pour, make sure the trench is full of water. And, and, he, and he did the impossible. Some, for some reason, he was in a bold, bold place that day, wasn't he? He was in a place where, man, I am just on the edge. My testimony on this day is going to be the pinnacle of my life. And he did it. He did it. Fire came down from heaven and it lapped up the altar and the water around. And he put to death all of the prophets of Baal. And then after that, Jezebel sends him a death threat. And straight away, do you know what he does? He flees. He flees. See, here's the first um, casualty. He was his testimony, his courage, his boldness. He was he was in a zone. He was anointed. Man, he was flamboyant. Even you know, more water. <laughs> he was out there. And why? Because he had this confidence in, inside of him. He had a, a, a faith is the substance inside of you of things hoped for. It's the, it's the evidence. It's like the, the leaves blowing around in, 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 the, in the sky. It's the evidence of the wind. Well, there's some faith is not just like hope or, or it's, it's hope, but it's, it's not like wish. A wish, I wish this would happen. Wish actually, when, when we use the word wish, it's actually more associated with a negative thing. Like, I just wish you'd stop that. I just wish this. I just wish I could. And it's almost like um, a victim sort of thing. Oh, I wish, wish I was this. I wish I had curly hair. I wish I had straight hair. Whatever. Curly hair is beautiful. <laughs> but faith is substance and it's the sealer of the spirit. The sealer... You know, amen, sila, means let it be so. It shall be so. It actually also, it shall be so eternally. An eternal witness in your spirit. And Elijah didn't have that. He lost it. He flees. He goes to the wilderness, Sinai. And God, God then miraculously baked him a cake. <laughs> and he gave him some water, refreshed him. And he was able then to... You know, get up and think about things and, and go back. But he didn't. He kept going. He went up the mountainside. So he's in the wilderness one minute. And, and you know what? When God said to him when he was in the wilderness, the first thing God said, what are you doing here? You know, when, when God says, ask questions, do a study sometime on the questions God asks. Because those questions are very, very important. Like Jesus saying to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do? You think that's a cheap question? Like a... 
just a, a line that Jesus throws away. No, it set Bartimaeus up to speak something out on which Jesus could respond to that provided faith a chance to enter in. So here, he's, what are you doing here? <laughs> Do you ever feel the Holy Spirit say to you, what are you doing here? I do. There's times in my life where I feel God saying, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. You know? <laughs> and read the rhetoric of, of um, Elijah. Read it. <laughs> Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll go eat. No. He's, oh, oh, every, I'm the only one. I'm the only one left. I'm the only prophet. Even though God had hid away prophets in caves, I'm the only one, and the, I'm, I'm gonna, I should, you know, I, I should have died, you know. And it was just so pathetic. So, and and get, don't get me wrong. I mean, Elijah, hey, hail Elijah. He's an awesome, awesome guy. I'm not, but he's. The Bible says in in Hebrews, Elijah was a man just like us. <laughs> so it's like if he can be so awesome. And so human, then I can be so human and so awesome. So, after being refreshed, he went to a darker place. And you know, the steps here are not, he's going, he's, it's a demise. He's going to a darker place, to a cave. So he was in the wilderness and in a darker place. And then God demonstrated his power to him. You know, it's like, oh, sometimes we just need a sign from God. And God did it. He's a fire. There's a earthquake. There's, a, there's a, um, a wind. And then he spoke to him. And he said, here, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? And this is what he said. I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. I've worked hard. I've worked hard in the house of God, serving the church. But the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. They've torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets, even though there's you know, prophets hidden away in a cave. I'm the only one. And now they are trying to kill me. Who? One woman. One word. One word gets into his spirit. One word by one woman. And you know, this, this woman was the queen. The queen, Ahab was the king, but this woman, it's her name Jezebel. Do you know what Jezebel means? It means, it's basically mean wife of Baal. <laughs> so she was a Baal worshipper and she was evil. And the Bible says that Ahab, her husband, was the most evil man in his day. And that he, because of the influence of his wife Jezebel, So, I'm not preaching a message on Jezebel, don't you worry. <laughs> so, here's the thing. Evil has a way. Words have a way. Don't ever say, words will never hurt me. Because words are the most, can be one of the most powerful things. Your words, when you speak your words, when you, what you say in front of your children, they're very, very powerful. What you say to one another... My wife and I, last time I preached, I talked about the fact that, that we, we have healthy um, fellowship at times. Rigorous, energetic, passionate, 
we don't let the sun go down <laughs> on our fellowship at times. You know, we stay up and fight, uh, stay up and sort things out. But what I want to say is we have decided together and we agree to no matter what happens when we, no matter what state our relationship is, there is a bottom line of communication, of endearment. We call it endearment. So we will always speak with endearment to one another, no matter whether it's through clenched teeth <laughs> or whatever, we speak well of because we don't want words to undermine our relationship and cause destruction and damage. Now, words. Now, the second, number two. Number two. So when, when it says be strong and very courageous, stay strong and very courageous. Don't let the enemy, don't let words, don't let circumstances undermine that strength and courage. Stay there. Hold fast the strength to the, those things. Like the guy who wielded the sword in the lentil patch. At the end of the day, they had to peel the sword out of his hands. Hang on to that sword so, the, so it, can't, it won't let go. You know, <laughs> fight like that. Stay there. Okay, number two is recall the words God has spoken to you. In that scripture we talked about from Joshua, remember the words. Remember the words that God has spoken to you because they are words of the construct of creation. God spoke and things were formed, created. Your words are the construct of your creation. Your future tomorrow depends on the words you speak today. And I'm not, talk I'm not just talking about hocus-pocus here. I'm talking about what you say into the ether today will form a construct of what you can move into tomorrow. And what you believe about God today will determine how you relate with God tomorrow. If you think, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not criticizing so much as helping you understand, if you think that God is the God who gets you parking spaces close to the door at the shopping center, if that's the sort of God you want, then go for it and pray those prayers. But he's, that sort of God is a limited God. And he's probably not going to be able to heal and do miraculous things that's big and far better and bigger and beyond what you want him to do. Because that God is like, it's almost like a, a genie. I want to wish. I want to park there. If, if that's your God, then he's a designer God. <laughs> and you've designed him. And you will not find him, a, when you really, really want something that's miraculous and powerful, He's not going to be there. That God's not going to be there because your God that you've chosen to, to project is a, is a genie. Okay, so your words are important. Number two, recall your words, uh, recall God's word and stay with the word. Here's another thing, and this is really important with faith. When we walk the, the path of faith, um, especially without... I won't go there. When we walk the path of faith, we need to make sure that there's an overlay of the word. Of God, you know, because sometimes I've heard people who say, oh, I believe that God wants me to do this, or by faith I'm going to do this. And it's like, whoa, 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 that's not scriptural. You, can, you can't believe that. You cannot, you cannot step out in any faith that hasn't got a scriptural basis. Does that make sense? If you're doing that, it's totally wrong. And how dare you, how dare you attribute that to God? <laughs> that's all I can say to that. Don't ever say, God told me. And look, please, 
stop, don't use those sort of words. God told me. You know, I, I, I hate, I don't, I, I'm not saying it should never happen, but yeah, God should talk to you. Of course he should. But when you speak about your experience with God and you're relaying it to other people, say, I, I feel like this is impressed upon me by God. Or I feel like God's, you know, encouraging me to do this. The minute you say God told me, it's like, who can argue with that? And sometimes I need to argue with that because God did not tell you. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So be careful about your words. Next one. Observe to, to live by God's word, by God's ways, because your actions empower or disempower your words. Okay? Faith cannot be outworked in, um, in lifestyle that doesn't obey him and doesn't fulfill, well, doesn't live according to his ways. Let me explain a man's prayer shall not be answered if he does not treat his wife well. It's true. Um, uh, children will not live long in the land if they don't obey their parents. That's <laughs> true. Obey your parents and you shall live long in the land. These are all promises of God, the things in the word of God. So if we want to, if we want to you know, walk in faith, we actually have to walk in obedience. Do you hate that word, Obedience. You know, Adam and Eve had to. Adam and Eve were they in? Now, I'll ask you, Liz. This is the million-dollar question: Were Adam and Eve in a better place than you were? You are right now. Were they in that garden? They were. Were they in a place of liberty? Yes. But you know, liberty has boundaries. Do you know that? Every and we 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 love the fact that we're a liberated church, but even in liberty there has to be boundaries. Without boundaries, there's no true liberty. Because liberty means that you're at you're at liberty to make the choice to live in this zone and stay away from that zone. Anyway, let's not go there. Number four. Meditate and speak the word over your life. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and, he and specifically hearing by the word of God. We develop and enrich and you know, strengthen our faith when we hear. And I believe more than that, speak the word of God. You know, Jesus spoke the word of God when he was tempted. Where did that come from? It came from his knowledge of the word of God, but also it came from the spirit within him, which, is, which resonates with God and faith. And he was able to speak against the you know, temptation of the, the enemy. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, it says, So then, well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Number five, getting there. Be strong and of good courage, because God is with you wherever you are. God is with you. God is with you. God was with Elijah. Even though he was running away, God was with him. He was with him in the wilderness. He was with him in a dark place. He was there. And you know what? After, he said to him, go back the way you came. And in the end, Elijah, because he was so downhearted and so miserable, God actually allowed him to abdicate his call and, let, and, and anoint someone else. And let's, but you know what he missed out on? <laughs> he missed out on destroying Jezebel. <laughs> the next prophet was involved in that whole thing, but there was a guy called Jehu. Wow, let me tell you. He said, and God said to Elijah, go and anoint Jehu. 
because I, I have, a, I have something for him to do, and anoint Elisha, son of the Titbite. Now, it was Jehu. Jehu was a wild man. He used to ride a, a V8 Holden chariot. <laughs> and just like Nigel Herring, you could see it was Nigel Her- um, Jehu coming down the road because of the plume of, of dust coming behind. And people could stand from the window. Oh, looks like Jehu's coming down the road. He's wild. And he'd, and he'd uh, pull up and he'd say to someone, are you with me or, or are you against me? And they go, oh, we're, we're with you. Right answer. Because if, if they said we're against you, bang, they're dead. And he, he, he comes to the place where Jezebel is. And Jezebel's like, she heard he's coming. So what does she do? She paints herself. She gets herself all dressed up. Maybe because that's her secret art, you know, trying to be seductive. and who know, I don't know. I am not really don't want to go there. But Jehu comes, she's standing at the window, and he says, Jehu says, is anyone there apart from this, apart from you? And there's a couple of other you know, eunuchs who were her servants. And he said, if you're, with, if you're for me, just throw her down. And they did. They, just, they threw her down. And she splattered, and, you know, and she fulfilled prophecy about. But see, that's how easy it is to deal with... You, to throw down the words of the enemy, just to, to, de- to defeat the enemy that comes into our lives, it's easy sometimes just to, to tell it to be gone. But you can let the enemy's words get in your spirit or you can, you can take on the authority that God's given you and you can speak to that situation and you can tell it to get out of, uh, out of your life and out of your way. <laughs> Amen. I bet if Elijah knew it was so easy, just, um, can someone throw it down? You know, <laughs> it, he might have stayed. He might have thought, oh, this is not going to be too bad, but he was just so consumed. How, how much do we get consumed with stuff that's like fear? Like, you know what fear is? Fear is also the substance of things not seen. Fear's like, it hasn't happened yet, but we're fearing it might happen. But fear comes from the other spirit. Do you know that? There's a spirit of faith and a spirit of fear. God has not given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Do you know why Paul the Apostle stopped the servant girl? She was a servant of a fortune teller or a seer or something. He was an evil guy. But she was running around. She was following Paul and... and and saying, oh, these men, these are the apostles who've come to preach the good news. And it's like, man, yeah, good brochure, good, good media, good, good advertising. We don't have to, you know, put stuff on the radio because she's going around. And, and you know what? Paul says, shut up. Stop. And he casts the devil out of her. You know why? Because while she's saying the right thing, it's coming from the wrong spirit. And whatever you get the wrong spirit getting inside of you, man, it's... it's destructive it'll rob you of your testimony your courage and your your zeal to do things for god so don't let negative stuff get inside of you and don't be a a channel of anything negative as well if god is for us who can be against us god is with you there you go last one step out step out 
Now, last one, faith flows. Well, this is the last point, step out. How are you going to step? Let me ask you these questions. Are you going to step toward? Of course, Peter did. Are you going to step boldly? Are you going to step courageously? Are you going to step obediently? Are you going to step in or under authority? Because all of those things really, really matter. Let me just give you a little example. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, let's look at this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came. Now, he wasn't a Christian. He was a Roman officer. But, he, you know, the, the news of Jesus had gone all around. And he was doing miracles. He was healing people. And he said, uh, he came and pleaded with Jesus. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. And Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. He, he had faith. My servant will be healed if you just say the word. Wow. And, and he said, I know this because I'm under authority. The authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go. Or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. When Jesus heard this, listen to this. He was amazed. Wouldn't you love to do something that amazed Jesus? He was amazed. And turning to those who were following, he made an object lesson of this guy. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. That's funny. I always think, why does Jesus ever need to say, I tell you the truth? You'd think everything he said was the truth. <laughs> but he was emphasizing the truth, emphasizing. I have not seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many, sorry, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east and west, and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and feast at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many, many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into, out of darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, etc., etc. So then Jesus turned to the, the Roman officers and said, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. I want to say this, and this is really, really important for people in the house of God and in church. Faith flows through lines of authority. You must be under authority even if you don't like when the soldier says, come or go, if you don't, it doesn't matter. When you're under authority, there's a channel through which faith can flow. When we're out of authority, when we're stepping out of authority, then we find ourselves not in that position. We're not under the, the place of the anointing, how it flows. We're not under the beard of Aaron. So we can't, the anointing won't come down upon us. And so that's very, very important. When we step out, step out, there's a whole, whole lot of things to understand. I'm stepping out in faith. Are you stepping out in obedience to the Word of God? Are you stepping out in obedience to the call of God? Are you stepping out in, under the you know, authority of you know, people that you've submitted yourselves to? Uh, and there's a whole lot of questions there. But the most important thing is, are you stepping out? Are you stepping out? I, I, when I went to school just a couple of years ago, I... Um, we had uh, career advisors in our school. And 
around year, we used to call it year five, now it's year 11. You know, because of, say, they want year one at high school. Anyway, we had career advisors come and start asking us questions. And it's like, we'd, <laughs> questions that we didn't want to be bothered with. Because it's like, <laughs> we're just having fun at school, you know. But they said, okay, what do you want to do after school? It's like, what? Why would I want to be thinking about what I want to do after school? Because, at the, you know, you know what we're like when we're younger. We're, school's a social place. It's not a place of learning. We're connecting with the, you know, the opposite sex. And we're, <laughs> we're discovering a whole lot of things. And school is it's, it's probably the most um, fun times you'll ever have in your life for some. For some others, not so fun. But it's a place where you have no responsibility, no mortgage. You haven't had to get credentials to get a job yet. And it's like, it's, it's one of the easiest times in your life, all right? Then someone comes and asks you a question. What are you going to do with your life? You actually have to start thinking about what are you going to do with your life. I'm asking you a question today as your career advisor. <laughs> what are you doing with your life? Where are you going? Are the choices you're making today congruent with the direction that you think you want to go where you want to go or are you living hemmed in in a, in a job or situation or, sit, or circumstance where you're just doing the grind you know you get up eat your breakfast go to work and come home eat your dinner go to bed and there's no sense of how can God be break into that cycle my and I'm, I'm going to talk about my boy, but I'm talking about his generation. My son, he, uh, he left school. He, he moved to the northern beaches. He discovered the northern beaches lifestyle, the, you know, the water, the surf, friends that go to church, da-da-da, down there. And he started flatting down there. He got a job working at JB Hi-Fi. Actually, when he was... Going through school, he worked for Hoyts for a while and JB Hi-Fi as a sales assessment. Now he's doing some management. And I, every now and again, I ask him, as fathers do, is this what you want to do for the rest of your life? Every time I ask him, he's no. Every time. No, I don't, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. And then the next question, so what do you want to do? Oh, I don't know. And he's, as I was reaffirmed last night, he's 27. I had to ask my wife that because I'm a mere male. <laughs> 27. And I know philosophically he's got time, but he doesn't have time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm nearly 60, and if I lose my job tomorrow, it'll be the hardest thing in my life to get another job at my age, starting from scratch, you know what I'm saying? So you've got a window of opportunity to do things for God as well as do things in your own life. I guess the point I wanted to make is his generation doesn't have people asking, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? It's like his generation just thinks. And I know I'm generalising because you may know different with your children and all that. But they, they, it's like, oh, it'll work out. They've got a very serendipitous sort of attitude and it'll work out. It's like he went to uni for a bit. He dropped out. He was going to do... <laughs> I won't say what he was going to do, but it, it, the point is he dropped out. He hasn't got the longevity in his step. The, the one thing that I was grateful for with those career advisors was they made me think. And then when I left school, I had a step. I had a step. I had a stride. 
we have to have a stride as Christians. We have to know where we're going. We have to know what, we're, what the call of God is. We have to know, we have to have a sense of destiny and a sense of fulfillment in that destiny. And if we don't have that step, then we're going to, when, when uh, you know, years down the track, it's not going to be the career, career advisor saying, what, what do you want to do? It's going to be God saying, what are you doing here? What are you doing here in this dark place? And you'll be going, oh, I'm just worn out. I don't know what to do. I've got no, no answer. We don't want that. We want to be people who have stride in our step, who have a sense of like, it doesn't matter if, you, if at the moment you're not doing exactly what you want to be doing, but if you're stepping out and, and you know, fulfilling a call, you think of Joseph. <laughs> he did a whole lot of things before he actually fulfilled his dream. He served other men's dreams. He had, you know, other men had came with a dream, you know, tell me what's this dream, and he interpreted their dreams before he got his own dream fulfilled. And so as long as you're stepping out in faith, eventually God can sh- turn that ship into something that's resonating inside of you. But if you're not stepping out, there's no, there's no faith in, 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 in your world, and there's no, there's no option to, to move that vehicle that's not moving. You ever tried to move a car that's not moving? Even power steering doesn't help that thing. All right. And I'm going to close with this. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? There's a God version of you. There's a God version of Joshua. He could have stayed and prayed for years at the edge of the Jordan. But he'd heard from God. And in obedience he acted and stepped out. And he he ended up taking the promised land. He fit the battle of Jericho. (laughs) Don't you love that word, fit? Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. (laughs) That's the black way, the the Negro way of, I don't know if you still say that these days. African-Americans say it, fought the battle. He fought, fought the battle. We're fighting battles, guys. We're fighting battles. We're fighting battles every day. And here's the thing. God's with you. I'm with you. You're with me. Together. We can do this together. We can do this together, Kels. We can do this together, Gabs. Matt, Talitha, Pastor, we can do this together. I want, I want this morning, I want everyone in this, this, God wants, God wants everyone in this church to have a fresh sense of like, I want to reset my testimony. My testimony starts today. And I, I want to be speaking about Amazing things that happened during my week, this coming week, and the next week, and the next week. I don't want my testimony to get like a stagnant river where it just eddies around the sides and there's no real movement. And you know, last time I preached here, last time I preached, I felt I was going home. Not the last time, the time before that. I was going home and my dear neighbor across the road from directly across the road from me. She's, um, well, she'd be in her 70s, and her husband's not well, and he's sort of used to be off and out and mowing along. We met them on a New Year's Eve party. They were coming back from down the street after having a party with some. Now, we used to have a lot of friends from church around, and they'd just call in, and oh, they brought their bottle of champagne and came and joined us, and, and uh, we've been great friends ever since. Who, who would know? A New Year's Eve party. Anyway, this dear lady's having a 
I was, I was driving in the, in the drive. And I gave her a little wave and I blew her a kiss. Because I can't. We've got that relationship. Anyway, she, uh, then I felt, I felt the Holy Ghost say to me, go and talk to her. And I did. So I got out of the car and walked over there. And she was, she's mowing the lawn because her husband can't do it anymore. And he just sits inside and, you know, he's, he's pretty much resigned to, that's, that's it, his testimony's over. You know, I said to her, what? I could tell she was upset. I said, what's up, darling? She said, uh, oh, I asked her a few things. And then uh, she said her daughter, they'd be, become estranged. And um, she, um, she didn't know why. She's not talking to her and all this sort of stuff. I'm going to cut it cut the story short because I've gone over by a long way I'm so sorry Jody's got to hear this and it's Pastor Phil um, her daughter and I said to her can I pray for you and I did I prayed for her and uh, you know a lot of times people say that and they say see you later and I'll pray for you but they mean I'll pray for you in my closet I prayed for her then and there, and she just started weeping. And uh, I, I, when I finished praying, I just gave her a big hug. And she was she gave me a Cheryl Denton hug, you know, those, those ones that's like squeeze the life out of you. And I just said, sweetheart, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. God's going to give you an opportunity to address this, to find out what's going on. And you know what? God always does. Whenever so, there's something that goes, you've got to trust God and have faith that God's going to give you an opportunity to sort things out. God's giving you an opportunity today to change something, to maybe shift, to maybe just re, rededicate your whole your life in a, in a context of like, God, I, I want to get back to this, the... I, want, I, want, I don't want to be like Elijah and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm starting to, I'm, my spirit's starting to go to retirement. You're too young for that. Bob Weir, you've got, you got, you got a lot of testimony yet to go. Me too. I'm, I'm, you know, you're too, Gordon. You're not really 80. True. <laughs> Father God. Bless this awesome church. Bless every single person in this church. Father, help us today to get a fresh zeal in our spirit. Help us to be bold and step out. And God, step out in spite of the fear. Help us to get a word from Jesus saying, come on out of the boat. Come towards me. And no matter what happens, if you stumble, if you start to sink, I'll be there. I am for you. God is for me, who can be against me? Father, today, let us walk away from this place with a greater sense of conviction, a greater sense of courage, a greater sense of strength, and help us walk by faith, every step, each step, by faith, to live by faith to the glory of God. Just while we're praying, I wonder, is there anyone here this morning, and you've never actually asked Jesus into your heart, you've never had a relationship with God, you've never taken that step of faith. The Bible says, you know, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you can be born again, you can have a relationship with God. If that's you this morning and you'd like to make that decision, I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to lead the whole church in a prayer if someone needs to make that commitment this morning. So why not 
as a sign to me so I can see your hand. Just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. We're about to close this service in a moment, but there's still time right now for anybody in this church who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus to, to, make, to take that step right now, right here, today. And this can be a start of a journey that can be amazing, just amazing. Just lift your hand right now. That's you. Amen. Well, church, God bless you so much. Let's all stand.